Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Missing in the Desert podcast. I'm your host, Christina, and I am going to bring a case to you today that at the very least is going to frustrate you. Um, I am definitely going to have to do this in more than one part. Um, This case has so much information to it that um, it's really going to take some time to flesh it all out. But I wanted to get the first part up before Christmas because honestly, you know, this case really breaks my heart because a family is missing their mother, their their aunt, their, their loved one. And um, I just have been wanting to bring this case out for some time now. So um, I, I hope I do not butcher her first name, the pronunciation, um, but this is the case of Lanny Arebis. Lanny was last seen on August 2nd, 2020. Um, She was seen on her neighbor's ring doorbell camera at 3.30 a.m. She waited about 10 minutes before leaving. Um, From what I've been told, she was there um, with a a plate of watermelon, I believe it was, trying to bring it over to her neighbor. Um, We aren't sure why she came over at that time of night or, or early morning, 3.30. Um, but she was there about 10 minutes before leaving. Um, minutes later, she was seen leaving her house in her 2000 Toyota RAV4, passing her neighbor's driveway. Um, four and a half hours later, Lana's car would be found off of the Cleghorn um, off-road vehicle trail off the 15 freeway and this is in um, Southern California for those listeners who are listening from all over Um, this is an area that is on the way through the desert on the way to Vegas Um, and it's in an area known as the Cajon Pass Um, the car was abandoned windows were down and her belongings were still inside So far, those are the facts of the case. And when I say that, it's because um, those are our basic known details of the day that Lanny disappeared. And, you know, we have a lot more information than just those quote-unquote known facts. So um, I want to start talking about, um, well, I'm going to give a disclaimer here. Um, I have to give this because um, there are people that know of this case who suspect that there was foul play, suspect even specific people that who could be responsible for this foul play. Um, While I'll touch on the situations surrounding some of those individuals, um, I won't be naming names. Um, You know, it's very touchy when you come to stuff like this because while some people may be suspects, that doesn't mean that they have anything to do with the disappearance. And naming names very often can ruin lives that don't need to be ruined. Um, If there were very specific information, details leading to one person, um, you know, I understand people want that information. But I'm going to be just giving labels, so to speak, for the moment. Um, If that changes, you know, that'll change down the road. Okay, um... There's also risk in naming people that are involved in a crime. Uh, So 
hopefully the listeners can understand that. So there are many things about this case that are unsettling and leave me with far more questions than answers. I'm going to dive in with the events that took place that day that Lenny disappeared. Um, as I mentioned, she was seen on the neighbor's doorbell camera at 3.30 in the morning and bringing over a tray of fruit. Um, but it's obviously an odd time of day to be stopping by your neighbor's house. Um, she stayed on the porch for several minutes before leaving. And then, as I mentioned, you know, she's seen on another neighbor's camera driving away. Now, the information by family um, that the day before her disappearance, she was driving out of town and heading to Bishop, California. Um, for some reason, she only made it halfway before turning around and heading back. This was confirmed by a detective when they pinged her phone. Um, she had also sent her boyfriend a text at that same time saying she did not feel good. So this could be why she turned back around and headed back home. Um, but one question that's always raised in a case like this is whether or not um, the missing person has any history of mental illness or drug abuse. So I'm gonna, going to try and attempt to answer that now. But in this case, you're going to find there's really no simple answers. Um, in short, uh, Lenny did not have a diagnosed mental illness. There was a report from her boyfriend that about a month before she went missing, she was having trouble sleeping and felt like, quote unquote, she was losing her mind. Um, and again, we have... I will just say that some of these details that were given are being given by specific people. So really, it's hearsay. Uh, but we're going to give these details, you know, so that we can give a full picture here. Um, she ultimately went to the emergency room by herself and did come back wearing a hospital wristband. Her boyfriend asked if they had given her any sleeping pills, but she said they hadn't. They wanted her to do online therapy instead. Apparently she did this for a week and a half and was sleeping better, but then suddenly quit telling her boyfriend that she's not doing it anymore and she's not crazy. We are not aware of why the hospital prescribed the online therapy. And again, this is just information that the family was told. Um, so any official mental health diagnosis is unknown. So here is where things get difficult from an investigation standpoint. Um, whenever law enforcement, especially, I'm sorry, I'm just going to put it out there and say it. If you've listened to my podcast before, um, you know that the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department um, has had many complaints from families of missing persons out in the desert areas um, that there isn't a lot of follow through when they hear any indication of a possible mental health issue in a missing individual um, and that they have blinders on to the possibility of foul play or accidents, etc. And not only mental health, but if there are any people that go missing with any sort of addiction history, um, the same thing follows. Um, the person went off on their own, the person's on a binge or you know, they're not taking their psych meds, so we're just going to call it that and, and, and call it a day, basically. Um, we've seen this in every other case we've covered in this podcast. 
it's truly infuriating because even if the person missing does have a mental health issue, that fact alone puts them at a higher risk for becoming a victim. I've said this over and over again. Um, this holds true as well for people with a history of drug abuse. It's very unfair to the missing person and their family that even if they can give details to the authorities of very good reason that there could be something else at play here, um, it's basically ignored. And, you know, that also holds true by the amount of times the case shifts from different detective to different detective. It's, you know, there's never any really track traction that catches in their department. So there's another situation too that, you know, was happening prior to her disappearance that, you know, I believe the sheriff's department took as more of an indication that there was a mental health issue um, than, you know, any real sign of trouble. But what if that's not the case? And I think you'll understand what I'm saying as I explain this here. Prior to her disappearance, Lanny had told some friends and family that she was hearing voices in the canyon behind her home. Now, you know, if you don't know the area, um, you know, there is this area where Lanny lived where there is a canyon that's sort of behind the homes there. And, you know, she would, you know, tell her boyfriend, you know, after he would leave for work about one o'clock in the morning, um, she would hear these voices coming from the canyon. And she would say that she would hear people trying to break into the house and that the people in the canyon were trying to mess with her. Um, things got to the point that she stopped uh, going to work because she felt that if she wasn't home, people would come in and steal their belongings. Upon hearing all this, it seemed to strengthen law enforcement's belief that it was more of a mental health problem than anything else. But again, what if it wasn't? What if there really were people trying to take advantage of the fact that Lanny's boyfriend was gone to work and trying to break in? Let's examine why that scenario could be entirely plausible. A few months before her disappearance, Lanny had some trouble with someone she had been letting stay on her property. Um, she had told people about the problems she was having in this regard and wanted this person off of her property. She had said to friends that she was actually afraid of this person and this person's girlfriend that had been staying there. The situation all came to a head at one point, and, you know, she had, you know, told her boyfriend about it. He wanted them gone, and so did she. She did not feel comfortable um, with them there. It had gotten that bad, and, you know, she had let them stay on this property um, you know, because this person has, had been a longtime friend, but apparently, you know, she was not feeling comfortable with maybe some of the people that he had coming to see him on the property as well. And, you know, feeling, you know, being vulnerable as a woman who in the middle of the night, you know, her significant other is not there. He's working or on his way to work. And, you know, there had been some, confrontations and she you know was gonna wait for her boyfriend to let him know he needed to leave but apparently things came to a head one night and she had to kick him off the property and it didn't seem like he took it all that well now 
when I say that this could play into um, her idea of hearing voices in the canyon and so forth, and that they were trying to mess with her, there's a lot of things that I can't say here. Um, but I can just tell you that there is good reason to believe that there were enough negative people coming around when that other person lived on the property that would know that there was that window of time where she would be alone in the home and might have some things of value in the house that they could want to get back at her and come in there and either steal property, um, harass her by yelling things from the canyon, um, or worse yet, try and do some harm to her out of revenge. So it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that this wasn't a mental health issue that she was going through, but some real actual fear that was warranted. And this is something, of course, that the law enforcement um, that's been handling the case never really gave any credence to or gave a second thought to. Now, there is something else as well, too, that, you know, sort of lends a little credence to the idea that maybe um, she had reason to be in fear and, you know, when she was seen leaving um, in her car, you can see on a video that there was an SUV that followed her as she left. And, you know, there is a very clear video of that. And I've seen it myself. So this is something, too, that, you know was attempted to be passed on to the authorities. But the problem is, as I mentioned, you know, there have been multiple detectives assigned to this case. And as of last note that I had or contact with the family, there was nobody assigned to the case. The person that they had um, either was transferred or something. So there was nobody actually working the case. Um, and they really don't feel like there's any sort of foul play involved here. However, um, there, there's a lot more to this case as well. In fact, I will just say, um, before wrapping up this section, that another strange occurrence here has to do with when Lanny's car was found. And, you know, we've seen this before in cases, and, and I've seen it many times myself and in other cases, but she was not a tall woman. She, I, I will have to look back to find her exact height, but she was a, a short woman. And her, when her car was found, the driver's seat was moved all the way back so that a tall person could drive this car. So at some point, she was not driving this car when this car was dumped. I mean, it's fairly obvious. So who was driving the car? Um, was it someone who was in that SUV that was following her? Um, and that they decided to dump this car in an area that they thought would not be discovered right away. However, you know, there are people who frequent those areas and, and that's a whole nother can of worms we'll have to open up on another episode, but people who, um, you just don't want to run into 
in this area. So it was in, you know, sort of a an off-road type of area. And there would be no reason for Lanny to be in this area by herself when she left that day. No reason. So, you know, this the fact that her car was found there and the fact that it looked like somebody else was driving her car and on top of that, that her belongings were still in the car and her shoes were in the car that she was wearing when she was on that video um, trying to give fruit to her neighbor um, is not a very good sign. Not it, It's a poor indicator that she just took off on her own because that area is very desert, rock. Um, if you ever lived out or been out in the desert, these sticker bushes with stickers all over the ground, um, there's no good reason anyone would want to walk around with no shoes in this area. So this was very concerning to the family, and I can completely see why having stepped on way too many stickers in my life out there. So, yeah, I, I think this case is troubling. And, again, there there's more to it. There's so much information that we're going to break this up into um, probably three parts, I would say. So, what happened to Lanny? This is something that is really eating away at me because none of this makes sense unless you really really dive in deep and look at everything that the family knows to this point and realize that this is just not a case of her wandering off and taking off she is very close to her family to her kids you know they she doesn't just cut off communication she doesn't have a history of a mental illness and to their knowledge wasn't diagnosed with um, a serious mental illness to where you know she needed medication or anything like that there's been no evidence to support that so what is it that caused her to go missing that day we will talk more about more of the information that we have in episode two and we're going to do that very soon um, to Lanny's family who is listening to this, you know, my heart goes out to you not having your mom here for Christmas. And I can only hope that doing this podcast can maybe bring some tips in, bring her case to light, start a fire under authorities to really look at some of these things that, that you know that you've shared with me. And um, if anyone out there listening has any information whatsoever, please do contact me. And I'm also going to put um, the appropriate numbers and contact information in the information box of the podcast. So, um, again, we'll be back with part two very soon. Thanks for listening.